Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. My friends, I am Vivian McPeak, and this is Hemp Present. If you have feedback or would like to suggest a guest or topic for Hemp Present, email me at hempresent at gmail.com. I greatly enjoy hearing from you, the listener. Marlo Richardson is a businesswoman, a serial entrepreneur, and the founder and CEO of four cannabis businesses, including Tremendo and Just Mary, lifestyle cannabis brands based out of California. She spent nearly two decades of her professional career managing at the executive level in the areas of entertainment, law, public and media relations, social media management, marketing, advertising, and crisis management, creating and overseeing media content in television and film, large-scale events, clients, and building relationships with stakeholders in the entertainment industry and government. Marlo was a 2015 gubernatorial appointee by California Governor Jerry Brown, chairing a State of California Enforcement Section of over 250 sworn and civilian personnel, and she was recently selected to serve on the California State Bar Board, Governing Ethics and Professional conduct. I've invited her here today for an important conversation about all of that and more. Welcome, Marlo, to Cannabis Radio. Thank you. Thank you, Vivian, for having me. My pleasure. Wow, you are amazing. Uh, Do you ever sleep? Um, Let's start (laughs) off with you telling us a little bit about your history. You have already accomplished so much. From where did you get your business acumen and drive? You know, honestly, I'm not sure where I got the drive from other than uh, just knowing that I wanted to have a a pretty decent life. And unfortunately, I live in Los Angeles, California, so that's pretty difficult to do with just one income. And um, I I think for the majority of my adult life, being single and just having the time to explore different passions of mine, I 
guess that's kind of how I got started and just testing the waters and seeing what it was that I, you know, really enjoyed to do. Um, you know, I was born and raised in LA and, and I just want to say what you just said totally mirrors the conversation that Brasco and I just had before the show. Um, I understand that your mother's pain condition initially influenced you to become involved in cannabis. Uh, can you yeah. tell us some of that story? Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of uh, odd. I, I spent a lot of my adult life uh, in law enforcement, actually, and I, I retired as a lieutenant. And so I kind of had this preconceived notion of cannabis and, you know, we're kind of brainwashed to think that it's bad because it's illegal. And I never really took the time to do my own research uh, previously. So my mother had probably the most excruciating pain that she'd ever felt. She said it was worse, worse than childbirth. So I, I can't imagine how much pain she must have been in, but got to a point where she had trouble walking and uh, turns out she needed full hip replacement surgery. So I had a friend that recommended uh, these different um, CBD and, and THC infused uh, salves. And so she started to use them and it was really the only thing that relieved her pain and allowed her to sleep at night. So I started doing research and um, started understanding all of the, the health benefits. And it really blew my mind as to, you know, how I previously thought of it. And um, I'm just really glad that I came around because I was introduced to um, a friend of a friend who had a business that needed a security plan in order to get his license. And with my background, you know, in law, I was able to put together a security plan for him in order to get licensed. And that was in the, um, the desert, Palm Desert area. So I became interested and in, started looking into the Los Angeles area and it was not yet open. And he was supposed to call me and let me know when I could apply for Los Angeles. And when he called me, it was literally the last day that the applications could be submitted within the last hour. So I put together a company, <laughs> put together, uh, got an EIN and, and applied and was immediately, you know, submitted, uh, got an invoice. You spent that, you, you mentioned you spent nearly 20 years uh, as a law enforcement manager, I believe. Yes. What does a law enforcement manager do? And what was that transition like to cannabis? I mean, were your, was it awkward uh, with your comrades to, or did, or did they kind of get it or, or a little of both? Well, no, it wasn't awkward at all. And I think at this point um, in the world, I think everybody gets it, even the people that don't want to legalize it yet. I think they get it. I think it's more of a formality in terms of government trying to decide how they're going to uh, monetize it for them. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I see as the bigger picture in terms of legalizing it or, or not legalizing it. I don't believe in, in the whole uh, ideal of it being a gateway drug uh, to say that cannabis is a gateway drug is to say that you know smoking a cigar is going to turn into crack i mean it's it's absolutely ridiculous in my opinion um i don't believe i ever thought that way my understanding again being in law enforcement and yes what being a law enforcement manager was i was a lieutenant so in law enforcement uh similar to the military you get to a certain point and you become what they consider a manager not a supervisor but a manager so that's what i did and uh, i believe everybody understood once i was done with law enforcement i was completely done it was a, a sigh of relief being able to kind of create my own destiny and not have all of the rules and regulations that i was forced to abide by for so long mm -hmm. 
Marlo, the, the cannabis industry, like a lot of industries in America, is predominantly comprised of white men, although that's somewhat been changing. Uh, what have your experiences been as a woman of color ganjapreneur, and what unique obstacles or challenges in your mind have you had to overcome to see the success that you've had so far? Um, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, first of all, I am typically the only um, person of color and then female person of color when I go to uh, cannabis events where executives are involved. It's uh, it's kind of sad, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm not really sure how I feel about it. Because to be honest with you, that's most industries, you know, unless you're talking about the NBA, you know, being a, a person of color and, and being in a particular industry, especially when you're talking about something um, at a higher level or something that pays really well, we're typically the minority in that aspect. So unfortunately, I'm kind of used to being in that position. Have you received, uh, have you been embraced in the, by the cannabis community in general, or have you felt pushback or obstacles or um, um, what, what's your experience been being in that unique position that you're in? I mean, and really a leader. Uh, I mean, you're a great role model for, for, you know, other women of color and people of color, I think, but what, what's that been like for you? Um, you know, Vivian, that's a really good question. And and if I'm being honest with myself, I really try not to focus on that part. And mm -hmm. I just try to do a good job and, you know, let my work speak for itself. My name, Marlo, M-A-R-L-O. Um, I think when people see my name in an email or, you know, on a, a website that does not necessarily have my photo, they probably have no idea, you know, whether I'm a male or female or black, white or green. I, I don't think I have one of those names where someone could look at and say, that's who this person is. And so I think it's typically a surprise when people do find out that I'm a black female. So I don't think I've seen any pushback because of it. Uh, right. When I do have meetings, uh, I do believe that at times I, I have to put my best foot forward. And I've always uh, been the type of person that makes sure that I know everything that there is to know about it because I am, you know, <laughs> a surprise and I don't ever want to be looked at as someone that was given this opportunity because of that, but someone that's earned it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, can I ask, how is your mother doing now? She is doing great. She's got a new hip and um, <laughs> she's like superwoman and she, <laughs> she's really doing great. That's that's really good news. Um, I want to dive into your cannabis businesses after this next uh, this first break that's coming up. Um, but first, the, the cannabis industry is a hodgepodge of constantly changing regulations and restrictions. You've had such a career. You've been a, a committee member of the State Bar of California, Public Safety and Justice Chair for Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors, and, and so much more. How challenging is the regulatory framework of California's cannabis model in your mind? And how well have your other positions prepared you to navigate the complicated cannabis legal environment there? Man, you ask great questions. Thank you. I, I will say that having a background with laws, rules, and regulations is what has actually helped me to succeed in this business, whether it's applying for the applications or the constant uh, 
changing of the different rules and the laws, it is extremely difficult to keep up with. It's almost like being an accountant. And if you know any accountants or have any knowledge in dealing with them with your taxes, every year they're reading these huge books because something has changed. And if they don't stay on top of it, then they're kind of out of business because they can really screw you up if they don't know, you know, what regulations are new or changed or, or different from what they were the year prior. And that's really what you see in the cannabis industry. The worst part um, of, of the cannabis industry's changing rules and regulations is that the employees uh, don't always know what's going on. And it's very typical in government organizations where you have people at the top that are making decisions. And by the time it gets to the person that's expected to relay that to the, the end user or the customers or the clients, it's confusing it's convoluted. It's uh, it's not exact. And so I've had a lot of trouble with just dealing with, you know, the average person. So I typically ask to speak to a manager because I've had my accounts and, and licenses and things that were extremely vital to the success of my business uh, kind of compromised because someone on the back end didn't keep up with what they were supposed to be doing. So wow. I definitely believe that my background has uh, prepared me for the success of the cannabis industry. Well, I've done 250 interviews and no one has ever articulated that one point that you just made about the right hand, not knowing what the left hand's doing. And I see that here in Washington state with our state liquor and cannabis board so oh, yeah. frequently um, that the legislature makes, uh, makes these, these new laws and our lawyers have to explain sometimes to the officials in charge what those laws actually mean because they exactly have a, 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 an incorrect interpretation yes. and it's an interpretation right exactly um fascinating and, and and you know and that whole dynamic of the regulate regulatory structure and the accounting and everything is probably why it's easier for these white men who are already in the corporate sector to just Correct. take all the money they already have and get involved in cannabis and, and and that creates a barrier for everybody else Oh, absolutely. And there's a lot of companies, uh, when you talk about social equity programs, there's a lot of companies and businesses that pride themselves on helping uh, social equity applicants get their foot in the door. Uh, they, For the most part, I want to believe that they're really doing uh, that social equity applicant justice. But from what I've seen, you know, when the law only requires that the social equity applicant receives 51%, and they're talking in terms of ownership of the business, um, I myself am a social equity applicant. So I'm very well versed in what is supposed to happen and what I've seen happen and what I've had offered to me is someone have, you know, another company will come and so-called help you get into the cannabis industry. They'll give you 51% of ownership in the business. Mm -hmm. And then they will have their attorneys write up a contract that basically eliminates you from having any say-so in the business, any right. oversight, any management. And then they start charging all of these fees. Well, we're going to employ our people. It's going to cost this amount. It's going to cost that amount. A and by that corporate, time, a typical corporate maneuver. Absolutely. And so by the time the social equity applicant actually sees a dollar, they're getting probably 2% mm -hmm. of what was supposed to be 51%. So when you're looking at it from a monetary standpoint, they're really losing, but they don't know any better or don't have any other options. So it's just All a really right. unfortunate situation, but you're absolutely right. There are people that, you know, have the corporate background, had the money and were able to hop right in and, and excel. I'm talking to Marla Richardson. We're going to take our first break and come right back. Don't go anywhere.
Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. We're back on hemp present with Marlo Richardson. Marlo, you are the founder and CEO of four cannabis businesses. What can you tell us about them? Can you describe them uh, maybe one by one and what products or services you offer? Sure, absolutely. So the primary business is called Greenwood and Company. And Greenwood and Company basically serves as the license holder for all of my entities. I have an indoor cultivation where we have uh, approximately 200 lights. We uh, basically do our own clones. We have our own mother plants and we produce exotic and uh, for the most part, pretty high in uh, cannabis flower. I have a manufacturing company where we do not actually own any machinery to create any types of uh, distillates or live resin, but it does allow me to infuse pre-rolls and make beverages, which is uh, part of some of the other brands that I do. I also have a cannabis distribution company. The distribution company allows me to brand and package all of the cannabis that I have, whether it's flour, whether it's pre-rolls, infused pre-rolls, beverages, and in creating the brands is kind of an ancillary business that I've been able to create with other people because I have the vertically integrated companies to be able to provide them with flour, provide them with any uh, type of cannabis product that they want to brand. And I allow them to have their own company where they aren't touching the actual plant. And I facilitate any and all packaging, allow them to market and sell. And then we would then distribute it to either the end user or a retail outlet. The fourth company is a cannabis delivery company. So we're licensed to deliver straight to consumer. So if I'm packaging my own brands, I can deliver it direct to consumer or through the distribution, I then can take it to a retail outlet. Wow, that's great that California allows you to do that. Here in Washington State, we don't have that vertical model and you can only have one license of one kind. Wow. Um, which is, you know, I mean, we were we were one of the first uh, to legalize and I think it really held us back because we just can't catch up with anybody. Um, Marla, what advice might you have for people of color and especially other women of color who are considering entering into the cannabis industry, what would you want them to be aware of while entering the industry specific maybe to their identity? I would say, you know, really work with people that have your best interest at heart, not just with people that are out for money or, you know, um, ownership per se, but there are enough people that are interested in getting into the cannabis industry. I think that a person interested really has a lot of homework to do. I think there's a lot of uh, regulatory knowledge that a person should have before trying to get in because it's expensive and they don't give you refunds. I applied for a license in another county and they made it very clear up front. And um, I'll be honest with you, I thought I'd be a shoe in because it was based on experience in running cannabis companies. And I felt like I have enough experience and can articulate that in an application where a board of people would say, oh, okay, she's doing A, B, and C, and she would be a good fit here. And um, not only did I not get that license, but they rated my application so low. I felt like that might've been one of those barriers to entry. <laughs> Maybe they looked me up and said, oh no, we don't want her here. But I, I was unable to um, 
recover any of the money that I put into applying for that license. And it cost me over $20,000. So you definitely want to know what you're doing. And if necessary, work with someone that has success in getting licenses before you put your money um, and, and heart into getting into the cannabis industry. Many, many states, including California, have instituted social equity programs, which, which you actually referred to in the, before the, first, uh, the last break, first break. Uh, they, they're meant to uh, help, you know, to, to, to deal with the racial and other inequities uh, and assist women and people of color to participate in the cannabis industry in managerial and ownership positions. In your mind, I think you already said those programs are not working as well as they could what could the state do different? How, how could those programs do a better job at social equity? So I think if they really want to help applicants and, you know, get them into the cannabis industry and, and kind of assist them with any type of, you know, criminal background or any type of war on drugs history that they may have had in the past, they need to put their money where their mouth is. There's no way you can have an effective social equity program when the minute a social equity applicant submits their documents, they're given a $24,000 invoice. What person do you know that's been incarcerated or truly affected by the war on drugs that, you know, can pay a $24,000 bill within 10 days? It's just not practical, but that's what they have. And that's what they're offering, you know, in in regards to social equity. And then they offer these uh, sometimes these incubator programs where investors get to meet potential social equity applicants. And again, you get into these situations where you've got these uh, large corporations that that promise you the world and they're going to cover all of the expenses. And yes, they do that. They'll cover the expenses They'll give you a title, um, but that's not ownership. The way that these social equity programs are are designed right now, they're giving you a job. Hmm. And I don't I don't think that that's really in the in the benefit of a social equity applicant. If you're looking for something that is supposed to, um, you know, uh, give you some sort of ownership or or help create generational wealth after you've been wronged for any sort of you know cannabis offense. And of course, you know, communities of color have been disproportionately targeted, uh, racially profiled, incarcerated through the entire history of prohibition. And we have really like poor to no reentry assistance in general uh, back into society, let alone getting involved in in the cannabis industry. Uh, So, I mean, you're right. There needs to be like funding and (laughs) training and placement and I mean, and, and those, those disproportionately impacted community, uh, uh, people, human beings should be prioritized somehow. Do you agree? Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. When I applied, I was supposed to be a priority. It took me over a year and um, I don't see that much of a, you know, as much of a priority, but it, it, it's just not effective. Um, but again, you have, you know, low level employees that are responsible for moving this process along and it's a check for them. You know, it's not set up by people that really care to make sure that the program is a success. These people don't care if I win or lose or, you know, they, they care less. 
they're going to get their check and they're going to get you out the door, the sooner they can get back to what they were doing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I'm talking to Marla Richardson. We're going to take one more break and come back with our final questions. So don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us hem present. Hang loose. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. We're coming right back. And we are back one more time on Hemp Present with Marlo Richardson. Marlo, I'm just so impressed with everything that you've got going on um, and, and all the great you know, perspective that you've been, been adding to this show today. Um, well, we still have a few moments left. What final thoughts would you like to leave our listeners with? What, what last things would you like to, t- to tell them about your businesses? Um, I just really want to say that this is probably one of the best opportunities that I've had in my life. I have completely fallen in love with the cannabis industry. Uh, the people that I get to work with, uh, the ability to learn and, and teach people um, just everything about the plant has just been an inc- incredible experience. I learned how to de-leaf the other day. I'm not sure if you know what that means, but <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, three weeks away from uh, pulling down our one of our first um, indoor grows. So we have flower coming and, and just seeing the process of making sure that it's quality product, making sure that it's properly tested. Uh, what I really want to focus on uh, right now is to just let people know how important it is to use licensed companies and to buy their their cannabis products from reputable retailers and licensed retailers. And the reason for that is the testing. And what I've learned is a lot of cannabis products that are on the black market or the traditional market, as they call it, 
they they have a lot of heavy metals and they have a lot of things that are, are really dangerous to our health. And the plant is so great and it's so helpful to so many people that you really want to get what's good for you, you know? So why not just buy it from a dispensary opposed to, you know, I don't know where people buy it from if they don't buy it from licensed places. But that's really the main reason um, to me that that's a, a real benefit in, in buying from licensed retailers. And so I have a couple of brands that hopefully one day you will get to see them in the state of Washington. Just Mary, which is my personal brand. It's a flower line. We serve, we sell ounces by the can. So for people that don't want to have to keep going to the store, it's kind of like a Costco model. We have Tremendo, which is a, a higher end uh, brand that's all exotic quality uh, pre-rolls, vape pens, and flour. We also have uh, a couple of beverages that are going to be coming out, one by Treehouse Blends, my partner, uh, Tim Brown from Florida. He's got a, a great tea-based uh, infused beverage that is absolutely amazing. And we have uh, another one called Homeschool. It's more of an upscale, uh, instead of bringing a bottle of wine to a dinner party, you bring Homeschool. So that's going to be coming out very soon. And my goal is to be able to create these products here in California. And hopefully they do so well that other distributors in other states are dying to bring it to you guys. So that's my goal. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. My goal. Marlo, I'm just so thankful to have you on the show today. You've given so much great information. I just wish you the best of luck in, in everything you do. Thank you, Vivian. I appreciate that. All right. Hempy Trails. That concludes this installment of Hempers in on Cannabis Radio. When it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice. Find your voice. Speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. The Hemp Resent intro music is Seven Mile Beach by Joanne Rand, and the outro music is Take Back the Plant by Strickbush. See you next week, folks. Stay strong. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.